Hello, this is Kaushik and you are listening to the Focus Lex podcast series. In this series, we are going to interview ILS alumni and ask them questions about learning law while at college, career opportunities available after graduation, and what students can do to get jobs. Today we have with us Chani Chawla. Chani completed a five-year course from ILS in 2017. While at college, she did a diploma in human rights jurisprudence from Symbiosis Law School and attended a summer school on a full tuition scholarship at Leiden University in Netherlands. After graduation, she worked as a research assistant with Dr. Tanab Khaitan and as a human rights lawyer at the Supreme Court. After this, she did her LLM from SOAS University in London on a full tuition scholarship. Currently, she is working as an advocate at the Bombay High Court. Welcome, Channi. Hi, thank you, Kaushik. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Yeah, it's pleasure speaking to you as always. So before yes. we start with your ILS journey, you studied arts at Saint Xavier's College. Right. It's a very renowned college. Yes. So ILS also we have BA subjects for the first two years. So mm-hmm. could you as, as to what methodology of study was used at Saint Xavier's and how was it different at ILS? So uh the xavier's in bombay is known for uh, arts and humanities and people usually go there for their bachelors in arts so 11 10 12 is junior college and that is when the foundations of these subjects are laid down and it's great because you're studying from very good faculty from bombay who's teaching at xavier's it's it's so good that their own textbooks are prescribed as reading for the class so for example i studied history from a professor who wrote the textbook i studied sociology from a professor who wrote her own textbook and it was not just restricted to the syllabus right i think that is one major distinction uh, xavier's had from ils when it came to the art subjects that it, we weren't doing it only to finish syllabus or to cover a certain syllabus prescribed by the university these professors were genuinely interested in these subjects and students who pursued these subjects whether be it psychology be it economics be it sociology saw that they want to make a career in these subjects so the approach definitely becomes very different as you mentioned right now that the faculty at at saint xavier's went beyond the syllabus so did they discuss their topics of interest or did they take up topics which were currently in public discussion in news and discuss those topics in detail obviously they took up topics which were contemporary which were which which affected everyone which were current topics of that time so they would try to connect these subjects not just from a historical perspective but from a contemporary perspective so that these subjects also become interesting for those who don't find it interesting so i think that was very different they always tried to bring something new to the table every day uh to and there were a lot of group projects we would undertake there were a lot of such things which would make sure that these subjects remain interesting for students wow it seems as if you had a great time at saint xavier's so after that why did you choose to do law what were your reasons i think i always somehow knew uh, during when i studied political science at xavier's or before that uh, during my school when i studied civics and uh, i had an inclination towards the law and towards rights jurisprudence in particular and uh, somehow i knew that this is what i wanted to do i was confused between choosing a career in law and psychology 
and mm-hmm. i think i resolved my conflict uh, when i decided that law is something what i wanted to do yeah i was very clear about it from the beginning oh wow that's that's, that's quite rare and that's very nice that it happened with you right so now then you came at ils so how was the experience at ils and what kind of activities did you indulge in how did you intern what kind of advocacy skills did you participate in how were your publications oh this is a very broad question yeah i mean 5 years is a long time isn't it it's half a decade it my time at ils was i mean it was a great time it was when i made some of the best friends of my life who i uh, still hold on to and uh, so see as a college it gives you a lot of liberty and it gives you a lot of free time to develop your own skills it's not a place where you definitely you know where it's, the syllabus is very rigorous or you're busy throughout the day it's a place which gives you a lot of time to develop your own interests and do what you feel like doing so i spent at all my five years actually with the gender studies cell i organized a lot of events uh, throughout my five years with the cell because gender studies and its intersection with law was mm-hmm. uh, something i developed an interest in quite early on at least in my first year only and i also worked with the women studies uh, cell at that time dr jaya sagde uh, was uh, heading the cell and uh, yeah. yeah i would make sure that uh, you know i am busy and obviously i had my fun also it's not like i did not have my fun uh, mm-hmm. after that i also i debated for the first year uh, i did not find it very interesting i left it moots were definitely uh, one of my interest because somehow i knew i wanted to litigate so i thought mooting mm-hmm. will give me an experience to understand how litigation works Uh, whether i am capable of standing in front of a judge and placing my arguments it helped with all of that so i did i did the mo- common moots whether it's uh, novice in the first year or fadness and stetsin i did all of them did some local moots did some uh, national moots and one international moot so yeah i mean i would say that it definitely depends on everyone's interest in the people uh, to understand what you're interested in moots mm. give you an opportunity because you're going in depth in one particular subject to a great extent which you wouldn't otherwise go when you're studying that subject in your class right so i think yes. that's the difference and uh, yeah after that i also uh, during my last two years i was also involved with the center for public law because i developed a interest in public law and constitutional law and uh, i participated in their activities uh, headed one project on reasonableness under the constitution hmm. and uh, yeah i mean as i said that these are opportunities which give you a chance to understand a particular subject in greater depth and that is when that is how you realize that if you want to sort of specialize in a particular area or not when it came to uh, internships hmm. i think i knew it from the beginning and that's what most people advised is hmm. to do a variety of internships so internship is basically an opportunity you get that you know you intern for one or two months so that you figure out whether that is an area you're interested in is that a particular job you see yourself doing once you graduate so i interned with a family lawyer in my first year i interned with a researcher at the tata mm-hmm. institute in bombay to understand whether i want to do research or i want to do for example family law then i moved on i researched with a constitutional lawyer in bombay 
with a criminal lawyer in bombay and another criminal lawyer in delhi with uh, a couple of other research organizations in bangalore because i was always confused whether is it advocacy and research what i want to do or whether it's litigation so i mm. think doing a bunch of these internships really gave me a lot of clarity in what i see myself doing it wasn't just about you know doing it for the sake of having an internship certificate but it was to understand what are the different kinds of work opportunities available for me and i think that's what i would advise uh, students is to do a variety of internships i also did uh, a cop not a corporate but a commercial uh, internship with a commercial in a, lit- a litigation chamber in bombay i somehow knew that's not something i'm interested in but i pushed myself to do that internship so that you know later in life i don't feel that this is something i did not try out so i think that also gave me a lot of clarity that no this is not what i'm interested in at all so yeah that's about me and my journey at ils if i'm not wrong when you were at ils you also worked under a former supreme court judge of the south african supreme court right you're right so it was i think i was very lucky at that point of time that uh, justice zack yakub mm-hmm. uh, a former judge of the south african constitutional court was a chair of the uh, was a chair at the start of he was um, i don't remember what the exact designation was but as you know there is an institute of advanced legal studies at ils he was invited yes. to be chair of the justice sathe foundation i don't remember what it was but mm-hmm. a public interest law chair and his job was to do work on public interest litigation and uh, i saw up a notice that he requires research assistance and i thought this is a good opportunity because i was interested in public interest law and i applied for a research assistantship and they were looking for students at that point of time yeah and yeah we were a couple of us i think four five of us who were his ras at that point of time and uh, his task which he undertook was to develop a course on public interest litigation public interest lawyering for students mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. through that uh, research we got to read some very famous cases of pil jurisprudence we got to talk to a lot of people so how we did this was not just through reading academic literature but by meeting people who work in these areas so we in pune we met a lot of academicians activists who work in the area of pil who work who work in the area of human rights then we similarly met people and did consultations in bombay and delhi and it was through these consultations that uh, we decided what goes into the course and what doesn't go into the course so it was mm-hmm. a fantastic learning opportunity because it wasn't just limited to the books but it gave me a chance to meet these people who are doing this work in different cities right spread over different cities mm-hmm. and uh, learning from justice uh, yakub was a, a wonderful experience he's a great man with a great sense of humor and uh, very interested in the law deeply interested in the law and uh, i was very lucky as i said earlier to have got a chance to be an ra to him yeah yeah so would you like to share any anecdote with justice yakub justice yakub was not somebody you know who would just uh, worry about the work he was doing or care about the work when he knew that i am participating in stetson a moot court competition Mm-hmm. even though it was on a sat it was on a sunday morning he decided that he wants to come to college to watch me argue and i wow. think it was very interesting that he and his wife 
came to uh, the moot court room to see me and my teammates argue and that was very very encouraging for me that he took a personal interest in my own growth and uh, i mean i was in touch with him i am still in touch with him uh, on some occasions and that is a great part of him that you know he not just wants to get his work done or concentrate on his work but he takes a deep interest in the life of uh, the people he is working with also wonderful wonderful uh, so as you said that you were looking for a career in research right so how yeah. did you go about public your publications and research work while at college See, and what do you think is the importance of research work at the bachelor's level see i'll say i'll tell you one thing that you know we at the bachelor's uh, level get very worried about publishing right so mm-hmm. publishing as a concept is not necessary when it comes to the bachelor's level and i'm sure i'm sure writing should be the focus and the focus should not be getting it published somewhere because publishing becomes important definitely when you want to make a career in academia but you have mm-hmm. ample opportunities to publish at your masters and phd level at a bachelor's level your focus should be a more fundamental focus to understand how to research what are the tools of research and mm-hmm. to start with a simple thing right like for example for me the interest was gender studies so i tried to attend conferences at different law schools happening around topics which are interest to me so i wrote a paper on uh, the feminist critique to international law that mm-hmm. i mean i wrote that paper towards the end towards my uh, final year but so i where i think is i was in my second year i went for a gender justice conference to nlu jodhpur so mm-hmm. that by attending that conference and writing a paper it gave me an opportunity to understand how research work how how have people done other kinds of research and you really need to keep, keep a look out of what is happening where right you don't necessarily have to only focus on the place where you are in ils in ils also there are ample opportunities there are great professors who you can learn from about various mm-hmm. subjects you really have to identify that one area of law and then go about researching and as i said research internships also helped i i worked with a professor at azim premji university for example mm-hmm. so that was purely an academic internship to understand how research works i worked with him to understand what is the life of an academician if i want to teach what will be the life obviously i could see that uh, through different professors at ils but by interning i it gave me a much deeper understanding of what goes on if you want to become an academician so that's what oh. i would say right? if you have a particular interest work with people who are doing that work it will give you a lot of clarity if you want to do that or not yeah this internship with professor at azim premji university was it right. an offline internship or an online internship no no it was an offline internship i went to bangalore and i was at the azim premji university for a month and wow. uh, that's where i interned yeah okay uh then when you were in your fourth year at the end of it you went to lardin right for a summer school yes so how, how did you find about summer schools because there's not much talk about it at ils Uh, how did you apply and how did you get the scholarship i think uh, i i think my main since i told you my interest was in gender and its interaction with the law mm. i just i don't even remember how but by doing some research on courses on gender i reached this lydon university summer school on uh, uh, on 
sexual orientation and gender identities in international law i found out that they are hosting such a summer school and it's happening in the month of august and obviously i wasn't sure that i'm going to make it but i nevertheless applied and mm-hmm. the application process was a simple one where we had to write an sop on why we are interested in this uh, summer school and what is the area of work we are uh, doing so i think i primarily wrote about my experience at the gender studies cell about organizing different events about doing different work around gender and the law and uh, yeah i was very lucky that i got selected and it was actually just me and another girl from india who mm-hmm. were the youngest participants of the summer school the summer school did not have anyone who was at their bachelor's level it mostly had people who were either at their masters level or who were doing their phd or were teaching somewhere or were a supreme court judge of uh, the supreme court of Ch- chile so yeah there were people who were judges also at the summer school and it was a great learning opportunity for me and obviously i uh, wasn't able to afford going to leiden on my own i was just a bachelor student so i had written to them telling them that i will not be able to come unless they offer me a scholarship so they mm. considered that application and they did give me a scholarship and that is how i was able to attend the summer school yeah wow so that that's amazing so after yeah. that after you you decided to pursue an llm so how how yeah. did you make that decision what benefits did you consider and how did you apply for scholarships see i think i did a lot of research before applying for my llm i i knew somewhere deep down that uh i wanted to pursue a masters but uh, that one year when i worked after college that's when i did a lot of research to understand where i want to study so firstly when you want to apply for an llm at least mm-hmm. this is my suggestion that you shouldn't go immediately after college because you i feel that a certain amount of experience is needed for you to reach a place to know what you want to exactly study and if you want to study further or not so okay. i went after a year but i see a lot of people going for their llm after one year five years even 10 years and i think that's mm-hmm. not a bad uh, thing at all and for me i somehow knew i wanted to go to the uk so i started my research with looking at the different courses available in different universities not just you know whether it's an oxford or a cambridge but actually going in depth and understanding what are the courses they are offering and if i am interested in studying those modules once mm-hmm. you once you reach a place that okay i want to apply to these universities you reach out to people who have done those courses before try to see from their experience whether you know the course is worth it or not and i think that's how i decided that i want to apply to these particular universities and secondly again funding was a main thing right so i did a lot mm-hmm. of research in on the kind of scholarships available while one applies for their masters so yes. about different types of scholarships right so i think i i knew that i don't want to go for a masters without getting a scholarship because uh, i somehow knew that i want to come back to india and litigate and i do not want to have a huge loan on my head so i was sure that i wouldn't go for a masters if i don't get a scholarship so i really uh, did my research and got to know of the various scholarships available when one applies for their masters so there are three kinds of scholarships uh, available one is university specific so whichever university i applied to i made sure 
to check if they offer particular scholarships for that course or if they are offering particular scholarships for south asian students for indian students and i applied for those scholarships so and then the second type of scholarships are the country or you are going to usually has scholarships so the uk government has two scholarships scholarships one is the commonwealth scholarship and the other is shivning scholarship and both these scholarships are fully funded uh, which give you not just your uh, university they they don't, don't they don't just pay a university uh, stipend uh, tuition fee but also give you a stipend and pay for your uh, accommodation so that was the second type of scholarship i applied to and the third type was in india a lot of trusts like the tata trust inlac foundation or uh, narottam sekhsarya foundation these are just a few examples these foundations give out money to students uh, and give out scholarships to students who want to pursue education abroad so that mm. is the third type of uh, scholarship i applied for and i think there are these about 20 scholarships in total which i applied for and uh, i think i was very fortunate to get one of them which was a university specific scholarship at soas mm-hmm. so yeah that's about uh, the process of applying for an llm yeah that's wonderful so you went to ilas lydin and soas right so yes. what difference did you find in the learning methods adopted by students at these three places and what ilas students can learn from that see i think when one goes abroad for their masters one realizes that the method of teaching is extremely different as compared to indian universities uh, at least at lydin and soas the major focus was on reading before class and going to class after having done completed those readings it's only then will you be able to understand what is being discussed in the class and i think one thing which was common at both these places were was that people who were doing these courses were deeply interested in these subjects right so they mm-hmm. would make sure that they completed these readings before going to class so the teaching method was based on you having done a certain number of readings and coming to the class with a certain amount of knowledge whereas in indian universities and in ils that is not a method which is being followed and and i really think that beyond just attending the class people if students are interested in particular subjects they should take a step forward and read more in those areas and you know the discussion becomes a much more informed discussion if the class has read a certain amount of literature on that subject before coming to the class otherwise it becomes very difficult for professors to have a meaningful conversation so yeah that uh was the difference between uh, these universities in universities and uh, abroad so that's really nice and how did you find the student atmosphere the kind of discussions you had especially on contentious topics where there were severe differences of opinions how did those discussions go so see as i said right that when i went for my masters people from a variety of backgrounds came there people with varied degree of experiences came there somebody who's just completed their bachelors and somebody who's probably worked for 20 years mm-hmm. so the discussions were obviously very very different because everyone was not speaking from the same experience people were speaking from different countries with very different experiences and i think one thing 
which was done was we all respected each other's opinion obviously discussions were heated because people came with different backgrounds mm-hmm. but uh, i think that's where you learn right when you are able to hear the experience of somebody for example who's lived in pakistan or somebody who's lived in america is going to be very different and uh, that knowledge sharing improved and increased because people came with a variety of experience uh, to these universities yes so what happens at campuses usually is that certain identities like say homosexual homosexuality homosexuality is made fun of uh, women still continue to face harassment you know people from different economic classes do not interact with each other much and human beings from certain caste groups you know created by manu's fantasy especially vedic aryans and indo europeans still identify mm-hmm. themselves as a part of that caste group than as oppressors and follow certain caste customs which are signs of oppression for others so in such a scenario how could a more inclusive culture you know how could it be a more inclusive culture be built on campuses assuring dignity to all i think it's a very important question what you are asking and the basis of this question is creating sensitivity and i think unless sensitivity is created by the management of the institution by students by faculty it's going to be very difficult to ensure that a university space is an inclusive space so for example i can tell you what they did at soas was before we started our classes they had everyone enrolled in a consent workshop everybody had to compulsorily attend a consent workshop where we discussed ideas not just of consent but of gender sensitivity of of sexual harassment of behavior which is appropriate in in class and mm-hmm. i think i am not saying that you know because people attended that consent workshop sensitivity was created for everyone but at least that spark was ignited and that gave people a chance to think about these things and i think that becomes very important for indian universities to adopt and uh, as i said it's not just the responsibility of the university but it's also students to learn about these things to i think identify your own privilege when you're talking about caste it becomes very important uh, when you're talking about caste class or gender for people to be able to identify their own privilege and then communicate with others and i think yeah you're right we are very insensitive when it comes to these uh, topics and you know even if a person cannot tolerate homosexuality that doesn't mean that they go and insult somebody who is from that sexual orientation and i think that is the big distinction while mm-hmm. we do say that everyone has the freedom of speech we should make sure that we are not hurting somebody else's sentiments when it comes to these identities right and i think that's what i and a couple of my friends tried to do at the gender studies cell to create sensitivity on campus uh, was our main motto and uh, i'm not saying that we did it for the entire campus and we were very successful but at least we made a small effort and i i think that's what people can do and that's what students can do to bring on sensitivity on the campus hmm true uh when you consider things like gender differences or uh, differences due to sexual orientation or economic classes these are hard facts right they exist right. in society but things like caste and caste customs 
these are creatures of manu's fantasy right so once you are challenging an oppressive structure like for example the caste structure don't you think that you know certain practices need to be called out simply because they are a creation of fantasy and they need not be followed absolutely and and that's why that's what i mean when i say that one needs to be very conscious of their own privilege and be conscious of what these practices mean to people who are not from privileged castes right and i think it's not a topic which is spoken about much or debated much in colleges at least in ils i i am not sure if the caste question was ever raised i mean it was raised but i'm saying it was not a part of the discourse and unless it becomes a part of the discourse of the university uh insensitive practices and caste based practices are going to be prevalent right or even when we talk about class even when we talk about language barriers a lot of students come from vernacular language barriers to the college so and i would i mean even though we have english language learning uh, lectures for them in the first few years like why don't we have moot courts in vernacular languages like this is another thing which i feel that why is it only an english speaking audience who can go for a moot why don't we at least in maharashtra since ils is in pune have mm-hmm. marathi court competitions because once people move out to the litigation world at least in maharashtra you know that in the lower courts you are supposed to speak in marathi right so why not use the culture i mean start from that level that you are not just having a moot court in english but a moot court in marathi also giving or giving students the opportunity to argue moots in a language in which they are the most comfortable in and i think that is where you start by creating an inclusive culture right by making sure that your opportunities which you are giving to students are not just suited for a certain group of students who are from a certain class or an economic background and i think that's where taking it one day at a time being very conscious of who we are the privileges we are and by then creating an inclusive culture talking to students asking them about their needs asking them what they need for the campus to be more inclusive for them will go a huge way in ensuring that our campus is an inclusive place and i think uh, this is a huge responsibility i'm not saying this can happen in a day or two but it mm-hmm. takes a lot of time to develop these inclusive practices and it is definitely the need of the hour true that's a wonderful answer thank you thank you so much yeah. now as far as careers are concerned you said that when you you wanted to come back to india and work here so what right. career opportunities are there in the field of human rights in india so there are different people who want to uh, make a career in human rights can do different things like i am doing litigation other kinds of people can work for an advocacy firm work for an organization which promotes human rights for example chri in delhi the commonwealth human rights initiative is one such organization or they can work for universities which have centers for the promotion of human rights once you identify just for example if it's internet so there is a a group working only on internet and freedom and freedom of speech for example if you feel that if your interest is uh, in women's right 
there are groups who are working particularly only on women's rights or if you feel that your interest is some is something else it's international human rights there are mm-hmm. organizations doing this kind of work if your interest is death penalty and there are organizations doing death penalty litigation and death penalty advocacy also so there are it's in university spaces or organizations or organizations or in litigation but yeah as i said one needs to know exactly what they want to do yeah once they so, uh, decide you mentioned international organizations so if once one wants to work internationally in the field of human rights is a uh, pallb enough uh, if not then how does an llm open opportunities abroad see a b i'm not saying that you definitely need to do an llm but it, an llm gives you an opportunity to interact with people in the country you are working in right so you can intern at organizations when you are in that particular country and you can get to know about their work uh, definitely i mean it's 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 difficult to work abroad because job opportunities are quite less as compared to coming back to your country but i'm not saying it's impossible so for example if you want to work with a human rights organization amnesty international uh amnesty international is an organization which does international human rights work or if there it's uh yeah there are a lot of organizations which do this kind of work and they have their offices not just in india but also abroad so you could decide that that is what you want first if that is the work you are interested in or okay so you mentioned this various career opportunities human rights station which which does work all over the world on issues of human rights you could work or intern with a un agency and see if that is something you are interested in working on so yeah there are opportunities and one should always keep a lookout for these opportunities and keep applying even though you feel like as i said i wasn't sure i'm going to make it to the summer school but i did apply and yeah i i was surprised when i made it so uh, you should definitely apply even though you feel that you're not going to make it yeah that's a very good advice yeah so you mentioned this various career opportunities so how is the remuneration like in these various fields at the beginning of a career and how does it grow so as i said remuneration it completely depends on what you're doing uh, for example uh, your in litigation is going to be very different as compared to money which you will be making for example if you work with a human rights organization litigation it is very difficult at least in the initial few years to uh, to earn much i mean in some places they don't pay you at all in some while in some places they they give you a certain amount of salary for you to be able to sustain yourself but whereas if you are working with an organization whether as a permanent job or whether on a contractual basis they do offer you a good amount of money and as i said it completely depends on the kind of organization you are working on and uh, the kind of funding they have. one formula that you know you are going to make this amount of money it completely depends on the organization their structure and their policies in place but definitely 
money is a major factor when it comes to human rights work because you're not making as much as money as for example your friends who are working in law firms where you're going to earn a huge sum of money even in your first starting few years uh, of your career so if money is something which is your motivational factor then human rights work is difficult to do so you really need to know that what is it that motivates you and uh, what is it that you are interested in yeah true so for ils students who are interested in a career in human rights what would your advice be to them uh, in terms of what they should do uh, in their undergraduation to make sure that they get good jobs in good human rights organizations or to secure an admission at a good human at a good human rights llm course see as i said that you have to show a continuous interest in a particular area so if if you are at an undergraduate level you could intern with organization or with lawyers or people who do human rights work uh, through that you can demonstrate your interest in human rights you could write papers or uh, yeah write papers on a particular area participate in research projects in the field of human rights and uh, yeah i think all of this should help you to secure uh, an llm and a job at a human rights organization it's showing it's being able to show a persistent interest in a particular subject which is required whether you're doing say competition law company law or human rights law the formula is the same that you are able to demonstrate that you have done work in this field because you are interested in this particular field okay so do you think doing certain diplomas or online courses helps see as i said it completely depends if it's your if you feel like i did a human rights diploma from symbiosis when i was at ils and i think it did help me understand what exactly human rights entails so mm-hmm. but it you need to figure out where is it that you want to do a course from it can't be just a course which is which is not a good course right because there are many of these courses also which exist out there which are not great courses so do your research before applying anywhere and uh, doing a diploma is a great idea because you are able to study and go in depth in a particular subject which you don't do probably in your bachelor's course so yeah it 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 can definitely help you gain a certain amount of experience and understanding and uh, that can help you decide whether you want to pursue a career in a particular field or not okay with this we come to the last question of our interview and that is this so what do you think human rights as a career field mm-hmm. is to people who pursue it which other fields do not uh that's a tough question i think if if you are somebody who feels that you know you want to use law as a tool to bring about social change you want to use law as a tool to help communities which are marginalized human rights is a field through which you can do work in in pursuing these goals whereas that is not something you can do if you're do if you're using law uh, for other kind of work right whether be it working for a firm or whether be it litigation or whether be it something else so i think human rights is different in a, it's also very difficult and i think this is something we don't talk about very often seeing suffering in in day in and day out is a very difficult yeah. field to work in and 
not much emphasis is given to uh, the mental health of people who work in human rights and i think mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's easy at all but if you want to help people if you want to uh, make sure that you're using your knowledge and uh, your degree in a way to pursue these goals i think then this is what you should pursue and uh, and you there are a lot of hurdles but i'm sure you can overcome them if you are passionate about human rights yeah all right that's a wonderful answer and with that we come to the end of our interview so thank, thank you tanvi so for thank you so much uh, for giving your time and i hope you stay safe and have a wonderful time ahead thank you goshik thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast and i hope you're good you're able to do many more such podcasts with a lot of students yeah all the best to you and yes stay safe thank you mm-hmm.